Hello and welcome to another edition of 11 Pieces of Me. For everyone who knows what the pod is about, we get a guest on who sits down and talks about his all-time favourite 11. Not his best 11, favourite 11. Now tonight, we saw kick Ali, he's off. He's actually joined the gym as he's due to get married next year. Ali, you're going to need more than a year, Chief. But in his place is the CEO, editor, secretary, financial advisor, podcaster, host of WFI. It's Dave. Dave, Chief, how are you? I'm fine. You left out Tosser there, though. Uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> in his place is the CEO, editor, secretary, financial advisor, and Tosser. <laughs> Chief Tosser. <laughs> Cheers for stepping in, Dave. Not at all, Gav. Uh, you know, I've been, been podcasting since, what, 8 o'clock this morning. What's one more? Exactly, exactly. Now, tonight's guest is Scott Munro. Scott, thanks for coming on. Oh, uh, no worries. Not a problem looking, at all. You're looking forward to it, Scott? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I listened to this pod. I listened to the uh, the WFI. I've been listening for a, a good four or five months. It, good man. It gets me through my days at work. We're allowed to listen to music at work, and I I tend to listen to football podcasts and some other podcasts as well. So it gets me through the day. Gavin, you know what this is, don't you? I've no idea, Dave. Fresh meat pod yes. version. Yes. Mm-hmm. Smell it. We don't get many of them. No. <laughs> are you Are you afraid sufficiently yet, Scott, or not? <laughs> Oh no! It's 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 been my first pub with you guys, but I used to do put some stuff for um, uh, ah damn it, uh, <laughs> yeah, for, uh, about Italian football back in the day for Serie FSC. So yeah, well, we'll have to nab Fuck you for Serie A sit down at some point as well. Because yeah, yeah, yeah not a problem. Happy to help those guys out. Sorry, I'm Sorry, I'm Frank Mitchell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, Scott, who do you support? I am a, for my sins, I'm a, a Swindon Town season ticket holder. I've been going since 94 and uh, I just turned 30, so I've been going for 22 years. I'm also, I, I was brought up watching Serie A and I'm a, a Roma fan and I've been going out to watch their games since 2014. And I've been twice this season and hoping to go to one of the, the final game of the season against Genoa, which looks set to be Totti's farewell. Sad day. Yeah, there'll be a, a lot of grown men crying that day, maybe myself. Well, Scott, give us your formation. Uh, right, I was a bit um and ahhing about this, but I'm going to go a bit bit hipster. I've gone 3 4 one, two, but the the wingers are actually going to be wing-backs. Right. You don't know, that. You don't know what that means, Gavin? <laughs> Dave. <laughs> it's, Dave, it's 4-3-3, three, three, it's, or it's nothing. The rest is all just, it's, it's a mess. They've overcomplicated things. Four at the back, three in the middle, three up front. That's it. Because that's all you know. That's all, that's all it should be. <laughs> ah, right. Well, let, let's, don't forget to tell them to pick a captain as well, Gavin, because you forget it every week. I don't forget it. Ali forgets it. Don't forget, Scott, you must have a captain. As soon as the <laughs> captain arises, let me know who the captain is. It's important. Already so That's grand. It's important. Well, give us your goalkeeper. All right, my goalkeeper is a. I've I've chosen a Brazilian goalkeeper, and probably Dave will probably get it straight away. He's a bit of a legend at his club. He's now their coach, and uh, it's Rogério Ceni, you know, the the goal scoring goalkeeper, over twelve hundred games and a uh, hundred and twenty odd goals. A pretty of a, a Sao Paulo legend. Um, was won onomous titles, cups. South American Continental Cups. He's literally a cult hero at Sao Paulo. 
No, indeed he is, Scott. Um, you know, he throw in, albeit he didn't play the games, but he was at a couple of World Cups. He's certainly there in yeah. 2006, I know for sure. Um, his Sao Paulo side were actually up here. I'm sure you, you caught the pod uh, with, with Michael Beale that we did for the South American show. You know, he, he seems to be doing very well there, but as you say, a goal-scoring goalkeeper. And my own, I had uh, René Higuita, who was basically a player, never mind a goal scorer. Uh, but but Senny was uh, was a master of the free kick and the penalty. You know what I mean. I, I, I remember him actually retiring down here. I was actually he retired during the time of being here. But the regard in which he's held um, in in the city and by that club, even um, you know what he did for that club and, and the loyalty loyalty that he showed to it. Talking to some of the Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo people there in Natal a few weeks back, that you know they. They cannot speak highly enough about this guy. They adore him. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I couldn't disagree with that pick at all, Scott. Um, you know, a complete and utter a, a Brazilian legend. And maybe one that doesn't, you know, as you say, it's quite hipster because he's not that well known. Uh, I, I feel anyhow around Europe and doesn't maybe get the plaudits he deserves. No, because um, the coverage of South American football, or actually Brazilian football, it it's not doesn't get really the coverage here in the UK. Over the last four years, it's on it's on BT Sport. But I remember back in what early two thousands, it used to be shown on Channel Four. But it used to be given the, the graveyard shift at like four in the morning on a on a Monday morning and I used to like tape some of the games it's the same with the Argentinian league it used to be shown on channel 5 and that used to be shown on the same time and it's like the teams actually sorry the players over there they wouldn't get recognized over here because it's not on sky which is like platformed all around the world and fans wouldn't know but I've seen Rogerio Senni a few times on like the club world cup against Liverpool and um, seen a lot of his stuff on YouTube. There's there's video clips going around about his free kicks. I I saw the one against Corinthians in 2011, which evidently was his hundredth career goal. That, Remember some, it well. Free, <laughs> yeah, woof. Top corner job in. I think the whole stadium. It wasn't. I don't think it was at the Murumbai. I think it was at one of the other stadiums. And it, the whole place just went wild. And he, you can see he's he's a cult hero, and uh, I can see he's trying to he's trying to get his own ideas over at Sao Paulo. I watched the game on on Sunday, and I thought they were pretty unlucky against Corinthians. And the, uh, the, sadly, he's got to think from from what I'm seeing around Brazil at the moment. You know, given the given the nature of the game down here, and given the nature of management, they don't last too long. And from what I'm what I'm hearing, the the pressure may be starting to mount a little bit on him. And I think that's incredibly unfair, given the fact it's the state leagues in the Copa de Brazil. You know, I mean, the actual season hasn't started. And the thought of, you know, glorified friendlies is what I would describe our state leagues as here. And, and a manager's job at risk after those. It, it, it's, it, it just is beyond belief, really. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, in um, I, I watch a lot of Serie A. Probably Gav can probably vouch for this. It's, it's like Palermo and the Zamperini. He's... he's I think he's fired like 70 odd coaches in about 15 years, which is astounding. But yeah, I've, I've listened to you guys and I've, I've seen a lot of quite a few Brazilian games in the last year or so. It's like the, the coaches, if you lose three under spin, you're literally nailed on to get the sack, which is ridiculous because Vasco had three the, managers in a month, uh, season before. <laughs> 
I, I think, as I said about uh, about, I think Palermo, I think Palermo once had three managers in a weekend. In a week, yeah. <laughs> I think they had not. They went through nine last season, and there's a player, uh, Oscar Hillyamark, who's on loan at Genoa, and he's gone through twelve coaches in eighteen months. Wow, that's, that, that's for both Palermo and Genoa, and that's that's astounding. It's a Latin thing, clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Shenny, he's won he's won absolutely everything. FIFA World Cup, Copa Libertadores twice, Copa Sudamericana, and he also has a World Cup winning medal from two thousand and two. So I only remember him from the likes of magazines and as you said, um, YouTube because players like that they don't get the exposure in Europe because there is an arrogance in Europe that look down on South American football as it being second rate, which you know yourself, Fair. Dave, it's it's, it's not fair. true. I, I know, but in terms of in terms of actual, it can't be brushed off as you know just being irrelevant. Absolutely, no. the fan culture, uh, especially like likes Argentina, you know what I mean. Uh, and for the big games down here, th- there's a there's a different way of thinking about it, and it means a lot to the people here. It may not be the highest standard of football, and I think that that's for the Sky Generation, Gav. You know what I mean? They want these exciting games. A lot of the Brazilian games are very, very, very dull, mostly due to the heat and conditions. No, but Scott, we move on to you have a three four one two. I'm gonna assume these are three centre backs. Correct. Uh so my first centre back is it's actually another Brazilian and he's uh a Roma legend and they've actually retired his number six shirt and it's Aldair who um spent thirteen years at the club after moving from Benfica to Roma in nineteen ninety and then and he spent a year in Genoa and then sort of ended his career in back in I think he was back in Brazil um, for a few years, but an absolute legend at Roma. He's at the heart of the cent- uh, the central defence. And in the two thousand two thousand one Scudetto winning year, it, it was the th- the first time in a long while, and, and Roma haven't won a league title since, and they've, they've been going like, ages to to get one. And he was one of my favourite players growing up, watching Serie A on Channel Four. And he's, he's literally a legend in Roma. And uh, Roma bought a player called Marquinhos um, mm-hmm. from Corinthians, and he's now at, at PSG. And he reminds me of him so, so, so much. And I think Marquinhos is going to be one of the best defenders in the world probably in the next couple of years because he, he just reminds me of Aldair. Dave, Aldair. Oh, what a player. What a player. To be honest with you, Gav, he, he's won... I, I I don't really have that many memories, of, and that's and that's the truth. I remember him, of course. I remember him playing for Brazil, and I remember him playing yeah. for Roma. Clearly, uh, but he's not one that you know what I mean. It, when I think of Brazilians, it's never the defenders, and he was an exceptionally good defender. Um, you know, the fact that we've got a Brazilian goalkeeper and a Brazilian defender is it, that now that's hipster in itself because whenever mm. we we tend to think of. Brazil, we tend to think of flair players and, you know, at least defenders who are just attackers in disguise, basically. Um, you know, but, but Aldair was, was one of those rocks. And I love that uh, Marquinhos um, likening. I really do, because I think that that partnership that he has uh, with Miranda that, that is developing under Cheech here for the, for the national team, it's, it's a great reference point. It's, it's, it's actually a very, very good spot, actually. I never actually thought of it. Um, you know those two. I, I see the, as the future of Brazil for a long time. I know there was a lot of a lot of hue and cry over Thiago Silva being left out and so on, and, and David Luiz. But like, let's face it, you know, David Luiz. No, 
Uh, he, but from what I saw him last weekend, back to type. So that, that's that's a really really good pick and and one that I'd never saw coming tonight, Scott. To be honest with you, never. What about yourself, Gav? Do you have many memories of, of the old Serie A days? Yeah, and I think to be fair, the reason Aldier isn't as recognised is not so much because the fact that he played for Roma, but when you take that Brazilian team, he was out not so much out Sean, but from more of a celebrity point of view, he, he played alongside Dunga and Cafu, who you know yourself, Dave. They were just. Heads and heads above anyone else at the I know, time. But, but even even traditionally in history, Gavin, you know, I look back on the '82 team. I couldn't fucking tell you who was at the back, but I can tell you, you know, all the rest. Obviously, who was the front? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't a consideration really. Whenever you consider great Brazilian teams, like who was the defence, because they weren't really needed. Yeah, but as going to Rome, it gives well. It spent well over a decade at Rome. Well over a decade at Rome. Won Serie A, if I'm not mistaken, in the season that the great man Batistuta. Moved so you'd Ali at the back and you'd bat a student front. So there's a recipe. Good, that's a nice pick, Scott. It's a win win situation with them two exactly. playing. Scott, give us your next centre back. Uh, my next centre back is my sweeper and he's actually my captain. This is going to be a bit of a, uh, a curveball because he started his career at Tottenham as a midfielder and um, he was a player manager at Swindon uh, in the early 90s and he played in the back three as a sweeper. And um, he won us promotion to the Premier League and then left for Chelsea to become their manager the next day. And it's Glenn Hoddle. Oh, wow. That is a. You know, Gavin, you've been doing this this pod for a long And now that I hear the name Glenn Hoddle, I know that, you, that the younger listeners may think of Glenn Hoddle, the manager, the, the lunatic uh, who, who had spiritual healers coming to the England team. But I'm talking about a, what a player. Some of the goals that he used to score, long range goals and whatnot. You know, here's Hoddle, boom, top corner. Uh, he was an absolutely magnificent player. And I am I'm gobsmacked. That this is the first time his name's even even an honourable mention that that he's even been mentioned, Gavin. I, he, maybe a bit before your time. I seen him at Monaco. You didn't see the best of him. You know what I mean? No, obviously, obviously not. I didn't see the best of him at Monaco. But what more surprised is he has a midfielder like Scott. You're going, you're going like crazy hipster here. You have a midfielder <laughs> as a sweeper. What's going on, Chief? Uh, my dad tells me stories because I go to football with my dad. I've been going since '94, and dad keeps telling me he played as a sweeper in the three in the in the three five two at Swindon in the early '90s, and he used to get the ball and just ping it take left, right, and centre. He used to give my dad heart attacks because it, it it literally just goes straight to it could go either way. It's like Manuel Neuer in goal; he comes out of nowhere and it, his passes could go anywhere. But he he done a he done a brilliant job at Swindon. But then he he pissed off to Chelsea the day after we won promotion after beating Leicester four three at Wembley. Swindon fans didn't take it very well. There's a lot of Judas going around, and there was a, a rumor going around about five six years ago that he was actually going to get interviewed for the for the job. But um, another madman took it, and that was Paolo Di Canio. Gosh, I Swindon are uh, irrelevant anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was a dick. <laughs> no, I tell you, um, here's a question for you. You rated him as a player, yeah? Oh, Obviously, without doubt. Dave, Dave without was, doubt, um, yeah. What, what about as a pundit? <laughs> or a manager. Just be honest. <laughs> I, actually, I actually rate him as a coach. I think that England team in 98, it, it had a lot of potential, but he screwed Drop, it up. He dropped Matt Letizia. Yeah, he should have picked Letizia. Uh, do, do you never feel that... I always felt with Hoddle that he, that in management with that England team that he lost the plot. 
whether it be the pressure from the media, because, you know, the media were honest. Every movie made it, he was made out to be some kind of, you know, certifiable lunatic. I, and as I say, I always find that very harsh, because I always remember the player. You know what I mean? I always remember what a special player he was. I always thought it was undeserving, even though he was a bit offbeat and a bit mad. I thought it was undeserving. Yeah, I only caught the latter end of his career. I, I only started watching following swinging literally about six months later but i have seen videos and that and i used to have the 93 playoff final on video and used to watch it a lot as a child i and he he was unbelievable as a footballer i think as today if he was playing today i know gav says the same thing about batistuva and i agree about batistuva he poddle could have been pogba money in my eyes but probably as a more. coach, probably more. As as a as a coach, it was that the faith healing. Ray Parler tells some stories. I think Paul Merson tells some stories. I think Paul Merson told a, a story which I actually saw on Facebook yesterday on my lunch that he Paul Merson missed a penalty in a penalty shootout for I think he was playing for Middlesbrough at the time during the lead up to the 98 World Cup and it was the penalty shootout against Argentina and he was saying that the goal just got smaller and smaller every time he walked up and it was like a hockey goal and Hoddle went up to him and put his hand on the chest and said you're going to score and Merson did and he said he, he felt like a million bucks but that faith healing and he's, he said something about disabled people and I think it just rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way and it, it's punditry is not the best it's, it's, it's up there with Michael Owen it's shy. <laughs> and Paul Merson. <laughs> and Paul Merson, yeah. What does Tony Adams know about La Liga? Do you realise there's two uh, 11 pieces of me that Paul Merson's have been mentioned on, but thankfully not in any position? <laughs> he, he will get nowhere near my starting 11. Nowhere near. <laughs> I don't think he'll get near many, uh, to be honest with you, and certainly not any as a pundit. Give us your last centre back. Uh, my last centre back is a Argentinian defender who also was. He started his career as Boca. And, uh, Aymar. Aymar's a centre midfielder. Um, but oh, he yeah. went for Boca, uh, he went to Roma, he went to Real Madrid, he went to Inter, and then he ended his career last season at Baal. And it's the, the wall I call him because nothing got past him when he played in Europe. It's Walter Samuel. Ah, Inter legend. Yeah, him and Lucio during that 2009-2010 season when they won the treble were just unplayable. That um, that Champions League game against Chelsea, they did what Juventus did to Barcelona the, the other night, what Chiellini and Benucci done to Neymar, Suarez and Messi, but he done, them two done that to Drogba. And nothing gets past Samuel. He's, he's an absolute rock. They nicknamed, I nicknamed him the war. I think other people who watch Serie A nicknamed him the war. He, nothing just got past him. He's an absolute legend of the game. Yeah, I was actually got confused in Aymar and Ayala, but they're uh, two, okay. different, okay. two different nationalities altogether. But Walter Samuel, Scott, if I'm not mistaken, Inter brought him back not too long ago to boost the team, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. It might have been, would it have been under Stramaccioni or it could have been under someone else? But he I was think you're right. He was, definitely, he was definitely brought back to basically take a few training sessions with the lads yeah. because they were, they were shipping goals in left, right and centre. Then he he's, he done something because Ivan Cordoba's there. I think he's still there as coach with Stefano Pioli's then now. So I think he may have helped out with the, the defence. I, I think he might be right there. Yeah, but I absolutely love Walter Samuel. Now, I cannot stand Inter. Inter, Inter, Liverpool, Man United, 
and Arsenal and Real Madrid. There's five teams that I swear to God, if they were on fire, I wouldn't piss on them to put them up. But <laughs> no, I just they, they're just uh, Inter Milan. Like don't hold back. I'm, 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 I'm just getting out. Inter Milan for obvious reasons. They took Ronaldo away years ago, and I've never forgiven them. Never. I actually hate them because of it. But they went through a period in the late noughties where they were just absolutely unstoppable. And him at the back, absolutely sensational. Sensational defender. Dave. Hello. Walter Samuel. Well, to be, to be honest with you, Gav, I saw more of him in the Champions League, but you talk about not being able to buy a player. Imagine a defender of that calibre for sale in today's market where there are absolutely no defenders. Uh, you know, none, none of great note, really and truly, in, in the world of football today. Uh, a player like that, to me, is, his, is the most valuable so far. I'd value him higher than, uh, higher than Hoddle in today's market uh, because you just can't buy leadership like that. And, you know, he was, he was a guy, an organiser. As, as Scott said, you know, this guy is a rock. <laughs> you know, there's a foundation stone off your team if you've got somebody like that in it. Absolutely magnificent player. And obviously he won the Serie A title with Roma in that memorable year for them. And then moved to International and he just won a plethora of trophies. So we have all the year, Glenn Hoddle and Samuel as the centre backs. Now, you have four, so I'm just going to call them midfielders, Chief, unless you want to break them down for me. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, so, my... It, actually, the wingers are going to be wing-backs. Oh, wing, wing. Hold on. Wing. I'm just going to make it WB here. Wing he needs to back. Google wing-back. Wing Don't worry, he'll be with No, me. no, I have, to, I, have to, I have to write it down. WB, wing-back. Go ahead, Chief. Sorry, he's brought up on a diet of 4-3-3, so, yeah, sorry. Um, he's been mentioned quite a lot. You, pro- you guys are going to probably guess who it is straight away. Um, Br- another Brazilian, Roma, Roma, AC Milan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the man Cafu. As, as I said earlier, I watched Serie A as a child. Most of us did back in the early 90s. And seeing him run down a wing for Roma and then later for AC Milan and then for Brazil. Wow, that man must have had about eight lungs. The, w- the, the strength and the willpower of just him going up and down that right wing was just tremendous. He was such a brilliant player and it baffles me. No one in like the Premier League went for him when they when they could after Roma won the league in 2001 because I think there was a clause in his contract where he could go for literally pittance. I think it was £1.5 million and no one took him up on that offer. And then he went to AC Milan, uh, won the Champions League and then won the World Cup a few times with Brazil just what a player I think to be fair though Scott at the time especially in the the 90s late 90s early 90s Serie A was arguably still heads and tails with every other league in world football so for him to live obviously he went to AC Milan the joints of Italian football but as you said for that type of money I suppose like what what do you say Dave When when you have a player like that had the Premier League turned itself into this money monster where they were just buying the ball foreign talent at the time or were they still had they still got that Britishness about them uh, I don't know Gav I, I look at it from Cafu's point of view um, and, and he's someone who I've never seen any attempt by him to speak any English whatsoever um, I've often said on podcasts you know the transition between Portuguese Brazilian Portuguese and, and Italian is is quite easy as it is with Spanish uh, it's not so easy with, to, to convert yourself to speak English. It's a completely different ball game. 
I'm, I'm, I'm curious maybe that that comes into consideration for, for Cafu at some point. And also, you know, you look at the likes of the treatment. Brazil, we didn't get really that many Brazilians uh, through the, the Premier League in the 90s. I think Janinho at Middlesbrough was, was like a one-off. He was magnificent. Um, and then, you know, you had Phil Scolari going to Chelsea. He lasted, what, six weeks. He couldn't cope with it. When, when, you, when you understand Brazilian culture, you know, they're, they're, they don't want the press on their doorstep every day. That, that's, that's alien to them. And I understand why, why Scolari couldn't deal with that amount of scrutiny, you know, being scrutinized so heavily, so quickly. And I'm just curious as to whether that had a knock-on effect in those days with Brazilian players who went, you know what, we're better off just staying here. As you rightly said, Gavin, um, along the lines of Syria was still head and shoulders. The Premier League was only beginning to import these players uh, and the money was only starting to explode. So you, you've got to look at it from a footballing point of view. And Cafu is a magnificent player. Again, you, and one you couldn't buy. You couldn't buy the engine of this guy. The engine was one thing, the determination was another. You were playing the top of your game against the best players in the world in Serie A. Why would you want to go to England? Yeah, easily. And then you look at the facts, and this, this is what I love about Cafu. He's been mentioned a few times. Twice a World Cup winner, twice a Cup America winner. But this, I've only found a stat out right now. He's in the AC Milan Hall of Fame. He's also in the Roma Hall of Fame. That's just exceptional. Scott, that's an amazing big chief. Yeah, it's it's wow. I think he only just won in the Roma Hall of Fame, maybe probably a couple of years ago. Um, or what a player! You you reeled off his honours, just unreal. It, one of my favourite players growing up. And you know the admiration and adoration for him down here uh, in Brazil. You've no idea. Um, you know he he's pretty regularly on the TV and whatnot here, and they hang on his every word, and rightly so. You know what I mean? This is a complete and utter legend of the Brazilian game. You know, I know Gavin and I have our opinions on Neymar, and whenever you bring up a name like Cafu, you realise how far Neymar actually has to go, still go to ever be considered amongst the greatest ever Brazilians. Scott, here's, a, here's an interesting one for you, right? I actually mentioned this on a, a podcast a few weeks back when he was picked. He actually won the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup, playing for Real Zaragoza in '94. Naeem scored that goal against David Beckham against... Oh, not David Beckham, Beckham, do that. Seaman. Seaman, Beckham, all the fucking same ponytails and everything. That's a low... That's, see that? That's beautiful. Having a, having, a, having a European medal like that and nobody knows about it. Nobody actually has an idea he played for Real Zaragoza at the time. That was 10 years before he went to AC Milan. Yeah, wow. That Cup Winners Cup is a proper old school European tournament. And I remember back in the early 90s and probably the late 90s and on the Thursday night, which the Europa mm-hmm. League is is now, because I remember they used to have, was it three European competitions? You used to have, yeah, you, you had the UEFA, you had the European Cup, and you also had the Cup Winners' Cup. And they, yeah. you know, back in those days, you got your, your UEFA Cup on league position, you got into the what, what you know today as the Champions League for winning the league. You only got there the league winners only, and the the FA Cup winners used to get the Cup Winners Cup, and as you rightly said, Scott, the Cup Winners Cup was a fantastic. It was some mm-hmm. of the you know back then we didn't have you know, we, we didn't have football coming at us like we have today. There's no Sky, there's no internet, so the, the European competitions like the Cup Winners Cup and the UEFA Cup uh, were, were the only live games that you got ninety minutes of, and you know if there was British teams involved in them, and as you say, a wonderful competition, and. You know, with all the modernization of the game, and yeah, they've done it for money, they've done it for better for the fans, and all that. But 
they lost the, the like some of the romance of those competitions because mm-hmm. they were cup winners. They weren't third and fourth in the league. They weren't this and that. They, they, you know, you had the UEFA Cup for the also runs, but you know the European Cup and the cup winners. They, they those are teams who were champions of something. Yeah, the product's a bit diluted now. I I remember as you guys were saying that the the European Cup and the, the early stages of the Champions League was for league winners. And now it is, you can get it for just finishing fourth in the Premier League, third in Serie A, fourth se- in La Liga. Second in La Liga. I mean, Real Madrid have been making, yeah. a, making a fucking living now for the last 50 years, finishing second in the league and going on to win Champions League. But look, that's none of my business. Serve Arsenal, but they, they, they bottle it up every year anyway. Well, look, Scott, Caffield, absolute legend of the game. Give us your next wing back. My uh, my left wing back is a Argentinian who's pretty much a bit of a I, I say bit, is an absolute Inter Milan legend. He's had the same hairstyle since he went from Banfield. Oh, I had 90- him as well. Oh, did you? From '95 to don't think, look any older tired. either. <laughs> no, I don't. I think he's only forty two now. Forty two, forty three. Uh, he retired. Was it a couple of years ago? Absolute stalwart at Inter. He won. And everything on the domestic stage, and I was I was pretty happy when Inter won the treble because I thought that Mourinho side they just they deserved to win it. I was Did a bit annoyed. <laughs> uh, yeah, they Mourinho, they Mourinho, they Mourinhoed everyone. But I was a bit gutted they won the league that season because Roma had it won up until two games ago, and they they pretty much bollocked up. But yeah, Javier Zanetti, an absolute Inter legend, and like Cafu, he could absolute willing and determination to put his body on the line and just run down that wing either on the right side or the left side he could play anywhere in the back four he could play anywhere in the midfield and he'd he, an absolute interlegend in my eyes yeah I had him in my team because Zanetti is just he you know he's synonymous with the word legend and what else can be said I, I do you know what I one thing I'll, I'll never forget about him, it was his last ever game, and he was still bombing it up and down the wings. And you just, the send-off, the, the tears in the middle, you couldn't help but go, you know what, this player will be missed. And as Diaz alluded to, it's players like Diaz, they're not, they're not created anymore. They can't, they, you, you can't create a player like this. This is a player that's gone, you know, he's come from... Argentina playing for the likes of the Sheriff's Banfield, you know, hard tackling, hard tackling defenders. Yeah, he had a bit, he's so much grace about him that, like, okay, he was a fantastic defender, but he was also a fantastic wing back. He was also a fantastic winger, and he was also a fantastic inside forward crossing the ball. He was an incredible player, absolutely extraordinary player. What about you, Zanetti? For, for me, Gavin, there's not often more I can add to that, but, you know, when I think of the, the great days of Serie A, Zanetti's one of those players that you th- instantly, instantly think about. You know what I mean? The the really, really great days. Like you know, he, he's just synonymous with with Inter Milan, and for me, it's just, he is synonymous with Serie A when you think about it. I couldn't agree more. And um, I remember he got injured later on in his career. He tore his Achilles um, away at Palermo, and I honestly thought that was the end of him. And you could see tears in his eyes as he was getting stretched off. But then he done a, I think he made a his comeback like six months later, and it was like he was never gone. And I was actually in Rome 
when he made his last uh, in his last home appearance for Inter. And I remember watching it on like the Sky Italia in the hotel I was staying at, and they actually had a Zanetti cam, literally following him all around on the pitch. And um, they won four one that day. I think they be- they beat Lazio four one. He got he got the perfect send off from San Siro in my eyes. Yeah, absolute legend of the game. And I said I had him as well, so nice pick, Tiff. So give us one of your centre mids. Alright, one of my centre mids, uh he's a a fellow asthmatic. I don't think either you two will probably like it. He's a, a Man United. He can't tackle for shit. Um but he can he's got an excellent eye for a pass and he scored some absolute wonder goals for United in the past and it's um Paul Scholes. Dave, you take that one, Chief, because I know you're loving an affair with Man United players. I've only one word. Overrated. I'll leave you with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's better than Gerard any day. Oh, my God. Don't make me choke, dude. Don't make me choke, as I said. Overrated. <laughs> really? You, you honestly thought Paul Scholes was overrated? Look, Gavin, you'll probably get this. He was loved by the English media. He was seen as this English poster child. And I never thought he was that good, honestly. He very, very, very good footballer. But never the hype that, that was surrounding him. I, I never actually got it. You know what I mean? Uh, part of that great United team, but th- th- he was surrounded by great players as well. For me, overrated. I'm sorry, I'm not moving. It's, it's fine. Football's a matter of opinions. It's no, it's no skin off my nose. That's fine with me. But I thought it was great. I thought it was better than any Liverpool midfielder. So, there you go, Dave. Different horses, different courses, Gav. Scott, give us your next midfield. All right. Um, it's it's my fourth Brazilian, and it's a pretty much... He's a Leon legend, and he, he scored probably one a lot of free kicks, and he's one of my favourite players while watching Liga, like on Eurosport back in the early noughties, and it's uh, Janinho Pernambucano. And if anyone searches him on YouTube, go watch a six-minute video of him scoring 70 plus free kicks you'll be mesmerized because he is literally one of the best free kick specialists i have seen in the last 20 years of watching football it's unreal what this man can do at a set piece he scored probably one of the best free kicks i've seen against Bayern munich in the old olympus stadion in the 03 season where he left oliver khan clutching at straws and the ball literally just swung all over the place like a, an in-swinger and an out-swinger delivered by a fast bowler but he won I think it, he was part of that Leon side that won seven straight league titles and then he, he went to Qatar and then he, he ended up in the MLS with New York Red Bulls and he went back home to Brazil I think he Dave did he end his career with Vasco? I think that might be right You've got me I, you, re, you have got me with this one. Uh, uh, I am stuck for words here just at this moment. I've stumped him. Get in. <laughs> Pernambuco or Pernambucano? It's, I think it's Pernambucano. I know Leon have got, um, they had a chant about him. It was to East is East. And yeah, it, I think they were going Pernambucano. So yeah. Honestly, I have never really been into or watched really any French league football. Uh, and that's maybe why I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit stumped on it. And as regards to Brazilian football, apart from my, the home team that I, that I support here, I don't really watch much of Serie A. So you really, really do have me on this one, Gavin. Have you got anything at all? 
Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Seems me and Scott are millennials. I I do remember him, and his free kicks are the benchmark for any free kick taker in the world. You have Messi, Ronaldo. You have all these, you know, so-called expert free kick takers. None of these hold a candle to this this lad. This lad was just. It'd be easier him taking a free kick than a penalty. His free kicks were penalties. Um, yeah. I think I think in when he was at Leon, he used to get like a free kick from forty yards out. I think the whole defending team would just stick a wall literally on the eighteen yard line and it would just sail past them and then past the keeper into the top corner. He was an artist at, at set pieces. And we see today, well, we've seen in the past couple of uh, years, um, and Ronaldo, he's become synonymous with, you know, this knuckle free kick. He did not create that free kick. Janino created that free kick, where he smashed the ball and it just wobbled in the air at a time when faults weren't supposed to be wobbling because they weren't designed that way. But he basically made made that happen. Yeah, it's just like some of the free kicks he scored, the ball would just go all over the place. And as you said, Gav, the, that ball, it wasn't supposed to go that way. It would swerve left, it would swerve right, and then it would dip. Then the goalkeeper would just look like an absolute fool when it would just go past him. And he would just look stranded, clutching a th- thin air. Yeah, that's a cracking choice. We haven't had Junino and I don't think we've had Paul Scholes either. I tip my hat that you, Scott, to be honest with you, because yeah, the, you've, got, you've got me reeling for YouTube now. <laughs> I have nowhere to go with this. <laughs> I, I would watch that, because some of the free kicks, I think you'd just be mind-blown. I know that um, one of the writers here in the UK, Rory Smith, he loves him, and I, I, th- I couldn't agree, because he is he was such a brilliant player and he was just an artist at free kicks you guys whoever when watching the video you'll be blown away of the skill and the craft that he te- takes free kicks it's just was there more to him Scott than just those free kicks um, yeah he was like he, he was captain of Leon uh, with um, Chris the other Brazilian defender as well and uh, he sort of a leader as well he was like an advanced midfielder for Lyon. Lyon were like the benchmark of French football in the in the early 2000s winning like seven league, tro- league trophies in a row and then now it, now it's PSG is like taking over with all the Qatari money but they ran the show for in France and he was at the heart of it. That Lyon team they had like players like Michael Essien, Sidney Govou, Florent Malouda and they that every year that team will get like ripped apart, and Janino would stay and, his, and show his loyalty. And he was just a brilliant player to watch. Oh, yes, he am. Oh God, he's oh, he's still playing, isn't he? That's why we haven't heard from. Him. I think he's he's maybe Middle East. I think his wife has just purchased the club or something like that. I remember I saw him here in the World Cup in 2014, but a shadow of of what he was at Chelsea. My God, and we're going on a tangent. Don't get me started. <laughs> Yeah, Janino, if anyone's listening to this, make sure you check out Janino on YouTube because the man has actually scored 76 goals from free kicks. Now Messi and Ronaldo, put that in your cake and eat it. Anyways, I'm going to assume this is an attacking slash midfield forward. Uh, yeah, you're correct on that one. Um, there's an Argentinian player who 
If I say he flopped at Barcelona, but excelled at other clubs. Riquelme. Yeah, due to Van Gaal's inept ability to play him in the right position. I remember him playing as a centre midfielder where he looked lost and he's an attacking midfielder. He's got no pace, but he's got the most wonderful eye for a pass. He reminds me of Totti in Europe. Totti's got no pace at all, but he he can see three passes ahead of anyone. Um, but watching Raquel me growing up, um, especially in that Villarreal team, where he took um, one penalty kick away from the Champions League final in 06, and they got saved against Jens Lehmann, but he's an artist. Mm-hmm. I could watch him play football all day, every day. It's, the, it's just a language style, and he's an absolute bastard for a nutmeg. There's, I think there's videos on YouTube of him doing it for fun against River Plate, and, he, and he's a bocker idol. I know there's... There's like there's two massive Boca idols in the last 15 years. There's him and Martin Palermo. And I know there's a bit of a rivalry going on between the two. He is a Boca legend. I know injuries like hindered his, his last few years at the club, but what he could do on the pitch was just unreal. Go on, yes, Gav. Tell, tell us why he flopped at Barca. He flopped at Barca because of the manager we had, the brilliant Louis van Gaal. Amazing man. Amazing man. But I don't think Barcelona have had an awful lot of brilliant players come into the club who, you know, Raquel May was lazy. I think it's fair to say he was a, an incredibly lazy player, but an incredibly creative player. And he just did not fit that Barcelona team at all. Now, throughout my lifetime watching that league, I'm a huge Barcelona fan, but I also have love, love affairs with other clubs. I had it with Depor, I've had it with Real Sociedad. I've had it with Sevilla. And I had it with Afil Real Sociedad between 2005 and 2007. They were exceptional. They were by far and away the best small club in the world. You're right, Scott. That penalty kick away from meeting Barcelona in the final. And I'll, I'll, I'll state it here. If they had got to that final, they would have beaten Barcelona because they had done in the season. They, they actually spanked them. That season, it's not so much bittersweet. He is—he's an incredible footballer. Obviously, Boca Juniors led. I've seen him plenty of times play for Boca, but I cannot get Raquel May out of that Villarreal side. So for me, that was that was peak Raquel May. It was him and Marco Senna who Senna, yeah, yeah, it was literally ran that midfield for Villarreal, and yeah, they were so so close. But Jens Lehmann saving that penalty at the Madrigal and then Arsenal just literally scraping through. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Gav. I think they would have given Barcelona more of a game. I've said it before on the pod, they would have beaten Barcelona because they had Barcelona that season. They played a similar style to Barcelona that season, but with Senna and the likes of Raquelme in the middle. We didn't have that midfield. And Raquelme... I don't think he left the centre circle. He didn't have to leave the centre circle. He was just ping, pinging balls around, left, right, centre, back, forward, everywhere. And obviously with the likes of Farland and all playing, that was an extraordinary, an extraordinary football team in modern history. That you know, it, it, it's it, it, it's forgotten. And it shouldn't be because at a time when a tiny little team like that up against the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Raquel May was at the, he, he was the centrepiece of all that. And one of those players 
you kind of wish was in this Argentina team today with Messi the way he is because we wouldn't be having these head-scratching moments as to why they're not playing. The reason Argentina today cannot play to their strength is because they haven't got Riquelme in the middle. I don't know. I, I, for Argentina, for me, Gav, I just think they're they're too Messi-centric and they don't, they're not Barcelona. They don't have the players to, to bring yeah, the best of them and they, they try to play to that. Believe I believe it or not, I'm going to cut you off, Dave. Believe I believe it or not, the first time Messi was introduced to Raquel May, Raquel May basically told the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> now, and that's a true story. The first time Messi was introduced, sorry, he wasn't introduced, Raquel May was having a party in his room and Messi strolled in. Raquel May looked at him, pointed at the door and basically said, you flee, fuck off. And Messi what walked What, what age would, it, would Messi have been at that stage, Gav? 18, 19. You can understand it. I don't think he'd tell him to fuck off a day now. <laughs> I know, but it, you can imagine if they'd, uh, if, if, if he'd still been around, he'd still had that influence that Messi wouldn't have been number one. Messi looked up to Raquelme. Messi adored Raquelme. Yeah, to be honest with you, it's a sad state watching actually, you know, Argentinian national team at the minute. And I've advocated in the past and I've been laughed off a South American show about, you know, dropping him. Uh, and you know, trying to make because they have wonderful players. I know you're a big Dybala fan and whatnot. They have mm-hmm. wonderful players there at the minute. And and I think if if they had a change of ideology, um, you know, they could they could shoehorn Messi in to to a system that really does work for them. But it, it, from what I see at the minute, it's all about Messi. Sorry, Scott. No, it's just your part. But this is what happens. Oh no, I'm listening. I'm also a massive Dybala fan. It, that this that kid is this could be it. A superstar in the next couple of years. It's disgusting, uh, Scott, isn't it? <laughs> I think bar one, all the Serie A goals he scored in the last two years are with his left foot, and that on what a left foot it is. Wand. Yeah, wand of a left foot. It just game after game. Juventus get a lot of uh UK coverage like AC Milan, uh Roma and Inter. Mm-hmm. And I I watch literally four to five Serie A games a week and he gets the most disgusting treatment game after game like Messi does in La Liga mm-hmm. but what he can deliver on the pitch is just unreal that left foot is just a wand and he's going to be a massive superstar for Juve maybe for Barcelona in the next oh, couple please, of years please yeah. God I saw um, my or Liverpool fans on... <laughs> <laughs> do you have the money Oh, I'm sure, oh, with the money, we don't have the heart to spend it. That's another no. story. Other podcasts move along. <laughs> do, you I saw... do you know what, Scott? I actually, I, I've had a love, a love affair with Dybala since his Palermo days, Celton Vasquez. I thought the two of them were just absolutely inc- an incredible duo. He went to um, Juventus, and whilst in the midst of the transfer season, he did state, and this 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 made this made me glow. He did state that he would swim from Sicily to Barcelona, and I'm I'm, I'm holding on to that. That one day, pretty soon, maybe in the next two or three years, because he's that arguably the best club in Europe to, to maintain progress. Because for me, watching the baller play, he is constantly progressing every single season. He's progressing. It's an upward curve. It's not a, a rapid upward curve, but it's 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 constantly going up. Now. It's gonna it's gonna go up up and up and up yeah. every season because his value after that Barcelona first leg has just skyrocketed. And I've seen like 
fans of Premier League clubs going, please, please, my United, can we spend money on him? He's like, he won't go to United. Nowhere near it. No, there's him and Dembele at, at Dortmund, and they're just two players at the moment. I just, I just love watching. You know, I, if I see them on TV, I'm, I'm watching them because that to me they're the future. I feel the same way about Mbappe at Monaco because he reminds me of a young Thierry Henry. He's and ridiculous, that footballer. Oh no, my dad goes to me the other week. He goes, "That kid is something special," and that was after the Man City second leg and. There's, I've seen there's clubs already looking to spend 50 million on him. He's 18. Yeah. He's 17, 18. Well, here, it's let's madness. go back to the past, guys, because we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're stuck in the future here. Well, okay, we've had Raquel May. Beautiful pick. Two forwards left. Who's a forced? I was a bit um and ahhing to go double Serie A with this one, but I picked one Serie A striker, and he's... He was at uh, the club I, I support in Roma, and he was at the club for about 10 years, and he's now uh, the coach at AC Milan. It's um, Vincenzo Montella, and I just remember him scoring goals after goals after goals for Empoli, Sampdoria, and Roma, and especially in the, for Roma in the early 2000s, especially when he scored four in a derby where Roma won 5-1. And it's probably one of the better Derby wins in, in, in the past 15 years. And then Totti added the fifth with a, a glorious chip. And uh, Montella, right, after every goal he scored, he would do the aeroplane celebration. Mm-hmm. He was one of my favourite player, uh, one of my favourite strikers while watching Serie A, along with like Cassano. Him and Cassano, Totti and Batistuta and that Roma team were just a joy to watch. No, Scott, I'm actually going to dis... I actually didn't like Montella. Oh, no. You, you're more of a, a batty goal man, aren't you? Yeah, and I, I tell you, look, look, football football fans are fickle, and the reason I didn't like him, the man was just too damn good-looking. He's a handsome chap, he's, even now. He, he's too too good-looking, and when he's... Do you know what? When he scored, it was just that big cheesy grin. It was like, you shouldn't be playing football, Chief. I'm sorry, I'm 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 not I'm not a Montella fan even today. I know he manages AC Milan, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> but look, no, there's absolutely no doubt in his goal scoring prowess. I mean, he has a one and two goal scoring record. And he, he even went on loan to Fulham as well. And in the in the what 2007, and he's done well as a coach. He helped Roma out when Ranieri got sacked. He cut his cloth at Catania, which was basically little Argentina. In Serie A, literally season after season, they'd have like 10 to 15 players from Argentina in their squad. Um, then he went to Fiorentina and, and done well there for two years. And he's, he's playing an exciting brand of football at AC Milan, who've now got new Chinese owners. They made a, a fantastic comeback in the derby last week against Inter. No one thought they would make that comeback. And he, he's becoming a well-thought-out coach, which... I could see when he helped Roma out in 2011, but I remember him as a an absolute fantastic striker in Serie A. Dave Montella. A player, it was after my love affair with Serie A died, and I didn't watch it for years, Gav. But obviously I knew of him, I've seen bits and pieces of him, and some of the goals that he scored, and looked absolutely lethal. Absolutely lethal. Serie A for me, it was all about the 90s. The noughties, it just, it just fell off a cliff, and... You know, it's the current Juve side of the first time that I've really got back into watching Serie A again. Uh, but, again, I've, I've seen enough 
of high. I've never, I've, to be honest with you, I, I, I can't even think if I've ever watched a full game. Because uh, Roma were never my, my Serie A flavour, to be honest with you, unless we're playing Inter or Juventus or anything. But uh, I, I do remember picking up bits and pieces, but I can't ever recall watching him for a full 90 minutes. Uh, no, because he probably used to go off. I think he used to go off about 70, 75 minutes. He had, um, he, he didn't have the best injury record. I think that's the only thing that hampered his career. He would normally not last the, the full 90, but he would get you a goal if you needed one. And I think at plenty of time when Roma were looking to win that that third Scudetto in the 2000-2001 season, they relied on Montella. If Totti couldn't get anything for you, Montella could. And then Batistuta would just add more goals to the fire. And they won the league on the last day of the season. And I, I think, no, he didn't score that day. I think it was Batistuta got the third and final goal. But here, what a what a strike he was for Roma. No, and was I remember? No, you said about Fulham, but wasn't there a big link at one stage? I seem to remember him being linked with who was it in, in England? There was a big link with him. Oh, I, I do remember. It might have been after he scored two against uh, England for Italy. Was it uh, like in I, a was it it, Arsenal? I, I don't know. Yeah. There was a big money move, and and there was talk in one of the summers, um, or, you know, around that time. Of making the move because that's where I think the, the the money really started to take over um, in in England and started to be on decline. I think at least sort of suffered from all the corruption scandals and so on, and and the money just wasn't there the same. And and that's when we sort of start, started seeing players being picked from from Syria, which used to be like the benchmark of the best players in the world were in Syria. But one by one, they were being picked off by English teams as, as the money increased in England. And I'm almost sure, Scott, that he was one of the names. It never came to anything, but he was widely lauded as coming. Yeah, he, he had the talent. I think it it was probably around the 2002 era where didn't he score in a friendly leading up to the World Cup in 2002? It might have been at Ellen Road where he came on as a super sub and um, might have nabbed a couple of goals. He could have, he could have done the job in, in England because he, he reminds me of like a, a, a poacher. He could sniff out a goal, which I think most clubs in the Premier League do lack sometimes. But yeah, he was just different class on what I saw for him when playing for Roma. Now, Scott, the finale. Who was your last forward? I was. It, it, this was a tough choice because I had about four strikers in my head, but I'm gonna have to go double Serie A. I had like Thierry Henry could have been one. One close to my heart was Jan Agerfjordtoft, who's now a um, a German. He works in on the Bundesliga, but he's a, a Norwegian pundit, and he was at I Swindon for him a, well. <laughs> yeah, he was at Swindon for a couple of years, and he's also done the the aeroplane celebration. But I'm gonna have to go my heart, and it's um he's been picked a few times. It's Gabriel Bastu. It's just what a striker he was. The, the type of goals he scored for Fiorentina and Roma, only a, a little loan spell at Inter and for Argentina were just tremendous. The goals he scored against Man United and especially against Arsenal at Wembley were just top draw. And I've spoken to Gav about this maybe on Twitter. If he was around now, it, he would be more than Higuain what was worth, what was spent on him in the summer. He was just top draw. Imagine him with oh, today's yeah. defences. <laughs> oh. 
I put, I remember actually, I put a tweet out not too long ago. It was his birthday, and I, um, I put out four options. I was talking to Stevie Gray. Stevie Gray was doing the um, the pod with us that time, and I had a uh, ten million, twenty million, fifty million, and a hundred plus million. Now, obviously, when you're on Twitter, you're dealing with fucking ten year olds and twenty million, twenty million. Scandalous. It's not even funny. It's not even. I mean. I personally today, if I had to pick one player today, to, do you know what? I could pick two players. There's there's a bit of Suarez and Lewandowski in it, but he's better than Suarez and Lewandowski ever was. I mean, the ball just bounced in front of him, one touch, bang! It didn't matter where he where he was. Batagal to me, I had him in my team. I also had Giuseppe Signori in my team. If you can remember him, Scott. Yeah, the one step penalty. Yeah, I had them two boys in my my team, but I had um. Batagal as my centre forward, he was to me. It, it's it's it, you know it's it's. She's only a kid. I'm only twenty five, but I still feel like a kid sometimes. When I think back to the likes of Batistuti, like you know, you are never gonna see strikers like that again. We just we'll never see them. We six foot one, built like a fucking brick house, hampered with a dodgy injury that he never rested upon. He he just kept playing. And it kind of makes you scratch your head going, jeez, what if he was fully fit? And as Dave says, him today in today's football, would you stop? And do you know what? He doesn't even like football. That's, no, that's right. No, that's, yeah. yeah. And is he still living in Australia? I'm, I remember seeing something out on Sky. Sky Sports do like um, like footballers' greatest. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching it a couple of years ago. And I, I think he was living in Australia at the time. I know he's a big polo fan. Which is big like, in Argentina. Yeah, big, it's massive in Argentina, yeah. And I, for someone who was so good to not like the game, it's it, quite baffling. <laughs> I tell you, my my favourite ever memory of um, Battersfield was because at the time I'd have been only a young teenager, and my father's a Man United supporter, so he'd have been English based. But I got into the whole city uh, on Saturday and Sunday with James Richardson, and I was obsessed with it. And he started bringing out magazines. Everything was just you know enough to feed me appetite of it. And then Fiorentina were playing. To this day, I still can't remember when it was either Arsenal or Manchester United in the Champions League, and he scored that goal from an impossible angle. You just bang, never forget it. The purple viola jersey with Toyota written on the front. Oh, when you think of the color purple, or you think uh, think about a student. I'm just curious, though. Um, you know, we spoke at length about him. The fact that he didn't like football. Do you think that that is why he stayed at the time? It probably uh, very unfashionable. Uh, Fiorentina that he didn't want to go to your Barcelona your Real Madrid if he doesn't like the no. game he probably was just happy where he was any any, any suggestion of that he had sorry go on Scott you can I, I have my own opinion on it go on you I, I think if he would have went to one of those clubs he would have been engrossed in that footballing culture especially at Barcelona where they would have had that winning mentality and I think he would have got sick of it after a while and probably would have walked out and probably gone to another club because I probably Gav might agree like football is embraced into that into Barcelona from when mm-hmm. you're a little kid until you retire or when you leave that club you got La Masia like for the yeah. school kids he would have got bored and just sick and tired of it after a while 
think when he did famously come out and state that um, a bit like Matt Letizia, in a sense, he absolutely loved playing f- for Fiorentina, and there was no doubt about it. When you think about it, the goals he was scoring for that team, I mean, they were shooting way, way above their weight at the time of him and it. Okay, he was at his peak with Fiorentina. Again, he could have moved absolutely anywhere. But you can't look at that student and say, ah, you failed, because only up until recently, Lionel Messi broke his Argentinian record. And Maradona famously turned around and says that that student was easily the best striker he's ever seen play the game. So the man was, was, a, was a god at football, an absolute god. And... You know, I, I think back when I was younger, there was, I always wanted to be Signori because nobody knew who the fuck Signori was. So when I was playing football with the lads, I was Giuseppe Signori. But if I wasn't Giuseppe Signori, I was back to Stilda because he, he's left such a mark on me that to, even today I compare. And we, we're allowed to do it. I mean, you look at the likes of the... Ibrahim, Ibrahim is a great footballer. He is a, good, a great footballer, but he's not in this. I'm sorry, he is not in the league of these players. I'm sorry, he's not. He's, he's, he was just different class. And what amazes me when he went to Roma for that much amount of money was he? Was it late twenties? Maybe just to, just turned thirty. He just turned thirty. Just thirty, and that's literally when a footballer starts to decline. But it, it just got better and better for him for, for two years at Roma. And then it sort of went on the decline. He went on a loan spell to Inter and it didn't work out. And then he went to Qatar and he scored like 24 goals in like 20 games. Ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Extraordinarily football. And as you know, you try to not explain to a generation below, but when you when you're talking about these football, you look at Ronaldo's goals goal record today. For him, it's it's incredible, it's extraordinary. Messi's it's absolutely mind boggling. But you'd love to see the likes of Battistilla, the Ronaldo, the original, the real Ronaldo, all these type of players playing in today's game with the protection they had. I mean, Battistilla, you never seen him on the ground ever. Ronaldo, you never, oh, sorry, you see Ronaldo on the ground most times. I mean, you're talking about six inch gashes at the side of his leg, but he still grew up and played the next week. These type of footballers, they, they, they mean, they really mean so much to me and to anyone else who's actually seen them play that, that it's hitting the stage with the likes of social media and the way the world is moving so fast that these players are just forgotten. They're completely forgotten. You see stupid fucking Twitter accounts and they're doing these battles and it's like, Eden Hazard and fucking Zidane and you're like, but you piss off. Or you fucking Coutinho and uh, go away. See, I'm getting upset now. If Ali was here, he, he, he'd stop me from getting upset, Dev. No, I, I enjoy your ranting, Gav. You just knock yourself out there, son. You're, you're absolutely fine. <laughs> well, I'm, with da- I'm with Dave on this. Just keep going. But, the, but, but isn't that what it is? Isn't that, it, that's the difference between... You know, you take Dave. Dave's seen, Dave's seen players in the fucking you know, 70s. You, you so, mentioned all those names, Gav. I go, well, I saw Zico. <laughs> you know? And, they, and, 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 this, and, to me, and to me, the players that you're talking about being better than today's generation are like Zico's head and shoulders above them. Or Maradona. When you take the looks of Maradona getting absolutely fucking smashed up week in, week out. I'm not talking about Argentina Maradona. I'm talking about Mapley Maradona today. We're back to still did the same team. That's good luck. Good night. God bless. What about uh, when he was at Barcelona and especially when they travelled to Bilbao? 
Oh, the butcher would do. Go get chair. Yeah, smash go them up. Chair would just literally, literally just almost impale him on the pitch, oh. and he'll still get up and then drop kick him in the face. Oh. And then when you see them, them battles between Barcelona and Bilbao, people don't realise just how fucking messy them battles were, man. They, they were real nasty bastards. Two of them just didn't get on. And then today you're watching like Messi and Adarites. You know, look, I love Messi. Messi, one of the greatest footballers of all time, but there's always that annoyance that these legends of the game are, they're not so much forgotten, they're just not looked upon in the same way they should be. You know, people will look at a five-minute YouTube clip of certain players and, yeah, he's great, but there was, there was always more to the, to the game, especially with the likes of Battersfield. Battersfield was just an absolute demigod of a striker, and he always will be in my eyes. Messi's overtaken him, but Messi's not a striker. He's the greatest striker that I've ever seen. Well, Scott, have you any honourable mentions? Oh, there's a few. Um, Go on. If, if <laughs> <laughs> there's, I know last week there was um, the guy you had on, if there was a couple of players who... Had, like retired maybe a year or so earlier like I would have had Totty in mm-hmm. if he retired last season or if I'd done this probably in the next couple of weeks Chambi Alonso my god what a footballer what he Raul Sociedad especially at Liverpool next to Gerrard probably there might have been a couple of Swindon players in there's one one which was probably left field and one he was at Roma but then he you retired you had Glenn Hoddle as a sweeper <laughs> <laughs> That's where he. That's where he ended up when he was at Swindon. Um, I liked when watching Serie A. Nakata Hidetoshi Nakata, who Japanese um, superstar, and he was at Roma and Perugia and Parma. He was at in Parma, I think, at that Parma side. Who was mm-hmm. just Zola one of the boys. Yeah, yes, one of the teams to watch, and um, of course, also Ronaldo. The the. Original Ronaldo. That's not. It's just Ronaldo cheap. You don't have to say it's it's fucking ridiculous. People think they they even today it's he's 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 referred as the fat Ronaldo. Senor Ronaldo. I know. (laughs) Senor Ronaldo. I can't believe Michael Owen came out with that jab about him when um he went back to Madrid and he 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 tweeted a picture of him. Oh, Michael, you couldn't even lace his boots. What? When he was at Barcelona that whole season, especially that goal, he was it against Compostela where he had like he just rounded the whole team and then done it again and then scored. And when he was at Inter, it it was a sad sight in him because his knees that that second knee injury was was a was a killer. Where he, I think he came back in the Coppa Italia final and he he done two step overs and it just popped out again. Mm-hmm. And then when he went, when it happened again when he was at AC Milan, and it, it he went to do a step over, and it you could just see the tears running down his eyes when he when he was on the floor, and you just thought mm-hmm. his career was over. But what a player, Scott! I know, you're, I know you're a watcher of Brazilian football. Did you catch any of his time uh, with Corinthians in 2011? Oh no, because uh, I only saw bits. A little bits like on YouTube, like stuff on that. And I remember, didn't they get knocked out in a couple of Libertadores yeah. really early? Yeah. And it, it it didn't go down very well. But, you know, even then, you know, you're talking about, um, as I say, I was down here at that time and it was a bit, a bit of a kick. I wasn't doing, it, doing anything, working like this or anything. But it was just a kick to see him again. And again, the lower quality of football down here, which I alluded to earlier, 
you know, he could still, there were still bodies strewn all over the place, you know what I mean, at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, he still had it. There's no two ways about it, he still had it. Um, very, very much out of condition, couldn't run, the knees done in, but he could still leave them, he could still just bamboozle them. Uh, he's still, he's just, you just never will see the like of again. It was the 2006 World Cup where you could see it was coming to the end. Yeah. You could see yeah. that there's moments of brilliance then, and when he scored that, that final goal, was it to break the record, the World yes, Cup it goals? It, yeah, it was, it was against Ghana, I think. And it, you That's could it. just see it then. It just had that little bit of magic in him. You see... Um, Even then. You see... Do you remember Messi's goal against um, Borja Munich two years ago where he left Boateng on his back? Yeah, the Boateng just no, literally yeah. no idea what, what no. he was doing. No, that obviously was beamed around the world. It was, oh my God, look at this, look at this goal. Incredible. Ronaldo used to leave four or five of them like that. Yeah. Including the goalkeeper before he scored. Gavin, his best goals were tap-ins. That speaks volumes. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a game he played uh, for Inter, and I would tell anyone to search it out on YouTube. It was Roma 4, Inter 5. He just tore the Roma defence that day with his just electric pace. I think he scored two that day. I think it was maybe late 98, I think, but he was just unplayable. I think he was up front with Ivan Zamorano. That's right. Unplayable. Unplayable on his day. Just scared defenders, shitless. We should actually have just a, a Ronaldo tribute pod. <laughs> because you, there's, everybody just has their own special things that they remember about him, Scott. You know, we've had loads of people on this. Um, and, you know, loads of times Ronaldo's been mentioned. And everybody has, you know, different favourite memories. And there were so many of them. He was so good. He gave us so many moments of joy. I th- yeah, I think even later on in his career, I still, I think his best moment was probably the hat-trick at Old Trafford where when he got substituted, the whole stadium applauded him off. You you don't see that nowadays. You don't see home fans against on a visiting player especially, applaud him off. Especially United fans. Yeah, especially my United fans. And you just see the hat-trick he, he scored that day. The first one where he, just, he got it underneath his feet and just fired it past Bartes. And it's... Oh, well, they have to Unreal. say, Scott, his greatest ever season ever was that one season with Barcelona. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He no, was no. just a fucking mythological ghost. Well, and then them bastards, them bastards took him away from us. Well, do you know, my, my, uh, all, for all the brilliant moments, whenever he scored his first goal for Corinthians down here, they the, the basically broke the stadium. The, the stadium couldn't hold them back. Um, I've never seen anything like it. And it's, it, it would rank up there as one of my best ever uh, Ronaldo memories. And, you know, just what he means to people down here. Like, they're so, so, like, such a proud people anyway. But they're so, so proud of him. Like, I tell you, Scott, I'm a bit disappointed in you. Go on. No, Fraser Digby. Do you know what? That w- He was going to be my goalkeeper. He's, I know. I was umming and ahhing about it. I saw him in his peak for Swindon. On his day, it could be fantastic, but his bloody kicking was awful. It's like goalkeepers now in this generation watching football. They're good shot stoppers, but their distribution is just piss poor. But he he was a different class for Swindon. He kept us in, in so many games after we went through a double relegation from the Premier League to what is now the Championship and now 
and then to League One, and then he I think he went to Manchester United for a little bit, and then Swindon got him back in the early nineties. Yeah, I grew up watching him. He was actually going to be in, and then I chose Senny instead. Well, Scott, I'm going to read out your team. With Senny, San Paolo and Galt. With Allier, Roma. Glenn Hoddle, Spurs. Samuel, Inter, as your centre-backs. Your right wing-back was Cafu, Roma. Your left wing-back was Zanetti, Inter. It's Juninho from Leon. And that noise in the background is actually Scott yawning because he's tired. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to send him you back. Don't worry, it's Gavin, uh, Gavin does it every week. <laughs> Your next midfield was Paul Scholes at United. Your attacking forward, to be say, was Juan Pablo Riquelme from Villarreal. Forward line was Montella Roma and Batagal from, I'm actually going to say, Fiorentina slash Roma. You happy enough with that, Chief? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was in an iron of what formation to play. Any Should I take out any players? But I'm happy with that. Well, lads, look, thanks very much for coming on, Dave. Listen, I have to say, it's been a different experience having you on instead of Ali. I mean, Ali is probably still on the treadmill based on his, based on his goals as to get married next year. So, so, Ali. Be careful with the heart, Ali. Be careful with the heart. That's all, Ali. Where can we find uh, Scott on Twitter? And this is, this is a special message for Richard Carman. Uh, he'll know what I'm talking about. My other account got suspended like last year due to DMCA over a cricket fine. You can post other stuff on there, but you can't post stuff about football goals or cricket. Um, you can follow me. It's Scott with one T underscore Munro. And Munro is M-U-N-R-O-E. There we go, Richard. <laughs> There's a man for the Serie <laughs> pod. Listen, Gavin, sorry for, ah, hij- cool. so- sorry for hijacking your pod on you. That's fine, Dave. You're, you're editing this. You do what you want, Chief. Thanks, lad. Thanks. Well, look, if anyone's interested in coming on the pod, semi-self or Ali a DM and um, we'll get you on soon enough until then Scott cheers for coming on Chief oh no worries I did send you a DM was it yesterday you did <laughs> yeah and I, I came on straight away and thank you very much for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure it's lovely to have you on and Dave listen I have to say this has just been magical absolutely magical I didn't think it could it could, it could get any better than this man but Jesus you come on Ali man you are fucked I, I sense bromance in the air here. Gav is going to be scared. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to Scott for coming on. It's, it's great to have someone who's not part of, of, of the guys who podcast with us normally. It's great to get a, a, an independent voice in. And hopefully you can do some pods with us, say, for Syria, because uh, I think uh, you'd be rather good over there. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to help. I know the time difference is a bit of a problem, but, yeah, not a problem at all. Well, we'll see what we can sort for you. Sorry, Gav. Doesn't matter, Dave. You're editing this. You got, you got to say goodbye, Gav? No. Yeah, I'm doing it now. I'm building up to the left. Until next week, talk to you then. <laughs>